0: natural md radio your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now i'm dr aviva pregnancy is already a time of heightened concern and sense of responsibility after all We know that what we do has an impact on our own health and our baby's development, growth, and health. Certainly for women around the globe, COVID-19 has added multiple new layers of concern, worry, and questions on so many aspects of healthcare and mothering. Whether it's safe to get pregnant during this time, where to have your baby, for example, home or hospital, whether to get the vaccine, how much should you worry? Should you be around your friends and family while you're pregnant? What about after the baby is born? During pregnancy, we're also fiercely protective of our health and naturally seek answers. It's not easy to gain clarity when you're inundated with an overwhelming number of opinions about what you should or shouldn't do, and information about variants, long-haul COVID-19 symptoms, the vaccine, rumors about fertility, or whether you can have a miscarriage just from standing near someone who got vaccinated. I'll put that one to rest right now. No, you can't is all really overwhelming. And the data is constantly changing as new information emerges. In fact, this is why I'm now updating the popular article and podcast I wrote on COVID-19 and did on COVID-19 in pregnancy early in the pandemic. Much has changed in the year, plus since this virus made its presence known on our planet. Making such significant decisions, and one that neither midwives and medical doctors nor pregnant women have ever had to deal with before, is a tough position to be in, and I know it can also be scary. So here's what I'll say first before we delve into the science and the data that will hopefully bring you some comfort. Compared to this time last year, when I first did this podcast on COVID-19 and pregnancy, we know a whole lot more about this virus how to protect ourselves, and how to navigate the pandemic while pregnant. And I will continue to update this information that I bring to you as new information arises. Let's take a close look together at what we've learned, starting with perhaps the biggest concern, contracting COVID-19 in pregnancy. Even before COVID-19 was on the horizon, it was well known that pregnant women are more susceptible to developing severe complications should they get the flu or, for example, H1N1 than are non-pregnant women, and the risk goes up for those who have comorbidities such as asthma, diabetes, or heart disease. At the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, when data was limited and it was also new, it actually appeared that very few pregnant women were getting the virus compared to the general population, and when they did get it, they were getting mild cases that generally didn't require treatment, intubation, the ICU, etc., the CDC's official statement at that time was that the risk for pregnant women seemed to be the same as for non-pregnant women or possibly even less, and many of us in maternal health care breathed a huge sigh of relief. We would say things like, wow, this really seems to be sparing pregnant mamas. When I first wrote about this issue, I cited a small Lancet study on nine pregnant women in China, the only study available at the time, who experienced only mild to moderate symptoms and generally went on to have healthy babies, which was reassuring to hear. Now, a year and change later, there's a lot more data to work with. One, because so many people have contracted the virus, and two, because pregnancy is typically a 10-month affair. So we've gotten far enough out to see a broader range of experiences from conception through birth. And third, because comprehensive monitoring and reporting efforts have been implemented to assess the impact of SARS-CoV-2 virus in infected pregnant women who have and have not become ill with COVID-19 illness. What we've seen is that while pregnant women are not more likely to get COVID-19 and that very few pregnant women who contract the virus get very sick, just like other viruses pregnant women who do get sick from COVID can become seriously ill, more so than was initially observed and expected, and that there are increased risks of prenatal complications, also more than had been initially anticipated based on early observations. As a result, the CDC has revised its official recommendations to include pregnancy as a risk factor for severe COVID-19. We've also seen that COVID-19 can cause small but significant increases in pregnancy complications. So while COVID-19 doesn't specifically target pregnant women, like for example, the Zika virus that can lead to birth defects, we now know that COVID-19 does increase the risk of pregnancy complications and that being pregnant increases the risk for a severe case of COVID-19, particularly in women with comorbidities. Without sugarcoating it, it's also important though to put this risk into perspective. And I just wanna emphasize, if you are pregnant, give yourself some time to listen to this podcast. Maybe don't listen all at once. And keep in mind what I'm going to reiterate through this podcast episode. Yes, the risk is increased. It's still extremely small. But because I know you listen to me and follow my work, because you want to be an educated and empowered person, pregnant person, and mom, I'm never going to sugarcoat or hide the facts or hide the truth, because if you don't know, how can you make the fully educated decisions? If this feels triggering in any way to you, because we do talk about the risks, then listen at a time that feels relaxed. Make yourself a cup of hot tea, just do something relaxing and nurturing, and then listen in little bits. And also, it's okay to hit pause, come back later, write in your journal, Um, talk with your midwife about this, and and I just want to say one more time before we go into unpacking the risks, that it's really important to understand the actual numbers, because more often than not, they're not quite as frightening as the clickbait headlines about COVID-19 and pregnancy would lead us to believe. So while it's clear that a COVID-19 infection increases the risk of complications compared to no COVID-19 infection. Before we dive into the data, remember that most pregnant women have none of the things happen that I'm about to discuss, and that almost every pregnant woman who becomes sick with COVID-19 does come through it safely. Okay, so here we go. As of April 26th, 2021, we've seen more than 87,818 coronavirus infections among pregnant individuals in the United States. Out of these, there have been 97 reported maternal deaths, which means that the maternal mortality rate is about 0.1104 percent for pregnant women as a whole in the United States. So that's one tenth of a percent, or one 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 yeah one tenth of a percent or less. So we're not even talking in the one percent and above number. We're we're in like in below zero numbers here, or below one numbers here. This data is calculated from a CDC page that's updated daily on just cases in the U.S. According to another study published in the JAMA Journal of the American Medical Association Pediatrics Journal, that collected data from pregnant women from 18 different countries The risk of death for pregnant women with COVID-19 diagnosis, so they actually have the infection, was 1.6%. That's about 22 times higher than pregnant women who were not infected with COVID-19. That said, these deaths were highly concentrated in less developed regions where comprehensive ICU services may not be fully available. Data collected over the past year has shown that pregnant women are less likely to experience symptoms when they contract covid but that if they do have symptoms, they are more likely to be severe. And pregnant women who develop COVID-19 compared to non-pregnant persons of the same age are more likely to be admitted into an intensive care unit and to require oxygen or mechanical ventilation. What is the relevance of knowing this? Well, there are a few things that are really important. One, if you do develop COVID and you're experiencing any symptoms, it should up your assertiveness about going and getting help for yourself. It may affect your plans on where you have your baby. If you were planning a home birth or a birthing center birth, but now you have active COVID infection, you may need a higher level of care. So those places, if you're actively sick with COVID, would be potentially contraindicated. So these are just some of the important uh, implications to think about, and especially, you know, just making sure that you advocate for yourself. If you were to be a third trimester pregnant mama and have shortness of breath and no other symptoms and go to the hospital and say, look, I think I've been exposed to COVID and, or I know I have, and I'm having shortness of breath. It's important to not just let somebody say to you, oh, well, pregnant women in their third trimester have shortness of breath all the time. That's normal. So it just ups our game for advocating for ourselves. According to a study that collected data from over 20,000 pregnant people who had contracted COVID-19, from January to October of 2020, after adjusting for age, race, or ethnicity, and I don't like the term race because it's such a social construct, but ethnicity, and underlying medical conditions, 10.5 pregnant women per 1,000 cases were admitted into the ICU, versus 3.9 per, uh, for non-pregnant women per 1,000 cases. The same data showed that 2.9 pregnant women versus 1.1 non-pregnant women received invasive ventilation per 1,000 cases. And 0.7 pregnant versus 0.3 non-pregnant were put on life support. So the rates are increased, and you can see even in non-pregnant people, these rates are not nothing. But one critique of these data to keep in mind is that as a whole, as physicians, we're much more likely to intervene aggressively when it comes to a pregnant woman who is sick because the stakes are high medically and legally for the individual who's sick and also for the treating doctor. So if you were to go into the hospital with said shortness of breath and other symptoms of COVID, and you're pregnant and you're in advanced pregnancy, you may be more likely to be preemptively aggressively treated. Now, that is probably still better than not getting treatment at all when you do have severe COVID. But the point is, um, those numbers may be accurate. I'm not saying that they're not. But there may be some skew to the fact that as a culture, we more aggressively treat pregnant women for everything. Pregnant women who contract COVID-19 also appear to have an increased risk of adverse pregnancy outcomes, including miscarriage, preterm birth, preeclampsia, and stillbirth as compared with pregnant persons without COVID-19 infection. So we're talking about being sick with it. Women with a COVID-19 diagnosis also had a relative 7% increased risk of having a cesarean delivery, and a 19% increase for preterm labor, and a 23% increased risk for stillbirth, and a six-fold increase of going to the ICU, and also a higher risk for thromboembolism, so clots. Now, what's also important to consider here is that early on in COVID, and this has been persistent, Doctors were putting all kinds of non-evidence-based parameters around pregnant women. So there was one hospital that was actually insisting that any woman who wanted to birth in that hospital, if she was coming in COVID or not, whether she had COVID or not, had to have an epidural. And we know that that's going to increase the risk of uh, a slow labor that may then lead to Pitocin, that may lead to other interventions that may then lead to a C-section. We know that there were hospitals that were routinely scheduling C-sections for women to get them in and out of the hospital before they got COVID. And the list goes on. So what we can't extract from this data is the fact that we know that the increased cesarean section rate in and of itself is associated with a 28 times greater likelihood of maternal difficult outcomes or death. So, nobody's teased out the data. Well, what about the women who did have the C-sections versus the women who didn't have the C-sections, for example? The risk of thromboembolism goes up if you are post-C-section and sedentary in your bed versus actively moving around. So some of the data, while all very important to take very seriously and take at face value, would also uh, we would benefit from a little bit of deeper digging below the surface with that. One study published in JAMA, which analyzed data from over 406,000 women, of whom 6,380 had COVID-19 at the time of birth, showed that 98.9% were discharged to home. No problem. So 98.9%, take that number in. A few percent needed I've uh, needed um, intensive care and 1.3% needed mechanical ventilation. So when I say that overwhelmingly, almost all women who come through this do just fine and don't have any increased um, problems as a result, I mean that quite seriously. But we also need to remember that if there's one person and that one person is you or your sister or your daughter or your cousin, that one person feels like 100%. And it's really important that we... Remember, um, as the organization so brilliantly called, Every Mother Counts, that every mother counts. And so each of these single data points, even if it's small, is really important and an important point to remember to take your own symptoms seriously and to um, make sure that you are knowledgeable and working with a care provider that's knowledgeable of the risks of COVID in pregnancy. The researchers in that study concluded that for women who gave birth with active COVID-19 infection... Although in-hospital mortality rate was still low, it was higher than in women with COVID-19 infection than those without COVID-19 infection. You might be wondering, why does COVID-19 put women at higher risk in the first place? One reason is that when you're pregnant, you're actually working with decreased lung capacity as your baby grows. When you're pregnant, your heart also pumps one and a half times harder than it would um, with to provide adequate blood flow to the baby, the placenta. And so you're more at risk with, of heart problems, which can be a risk factor for COVID-19. In pregnancy, we're also more hypercoagulable. We naturally coagulate more. That's how our bodies prevent us from bleeding too much. Um, and there have been some uh, cases of increased um, clotting disorders seen with COVID-19 infection itself. Beyond that, there's also a tremendous amount that we still have no clue about this disease, let alone how it's affecting pregnancy's complex physiology. Interestingly, even in asymptomatic cases of COVID-19, there is some increased risk during pregnancy. For example, one study that assessed 706 pregnant women who were diagnosed with COVID-19 found that 60% of the infected women were asymptomatic. But those asymptomatic women were still at one and a half times higher risk for maternal morbidity and preeclampsia. Now, we also have to take into consideration factors that are due to systemic racism, which I'm going to talk about, um, such that populations that may be at higher risk for getting covid um, that may be less likely to have been had access to vaccination, for example, are also populations that are at higher risk for preeclampsia, particularly, for example, um, black and indigenous women of color. And at the same time, this can happen to anyone across the board. That risk rises further if additional factors like higher maternal age and having a higher BMA, BMI, sorry, body mass index, chronic hypertension, and pre-existing diabetes are also part of the equation is really important. These numbers also indicate the impact of structural racism on overall maternal mortality rate, and COVID-19 and pregnancy is no, if no exception and adds to that risk and impact. The risk of contracting COVID-19 and developing a severe case is higher for Black and Latina mothers-to-be, in whom comorbidities are also much more frequently seen, again, as a result of structural racism. And in some cases, um, in that population, if you are of that population, you know it can also be harder to access the healthcare that you need. So if you think you're infected with COVID-19, first, don't panic. Remember, yours and baby's risk, based on all we know right now, is still extremely low. If you have mild or moderate symptoms of COVID-19, call your primary pregnancy care provider, your midwife, your ob and your family doctor, and let them know. Just like you would with any virus, stay at home, rest, and stay well hydrated. If you have underlying medical conditions that increase your risk of complications from COVID-19, make sure you're working with a healthcare provider who is skilled in meeting your medical needs should complications arise and who's skilled in identifying them and helping you prevent them from getting worse. No pregnant person should delay seeking medical care should you experience difficulty breathing or moderate to severe symptoms with COVID-19 or anything. Inform your care provider should you feel unwell or have a known or suspected COVID-19 exposure so you can get instructions on what to do. Should you need to be seen by a healthcare provider and it's non not an emergency, call ahead before you go to the clinic, office, or hospital and let them know you're sick and might have COVID-19 so they can direct you to the right place while protecting other <clears throat> pregnant women and staff. If you do experience any severe symptoms or complications, seek medical help immediately. And if you do need to call an ambulance, let them know that you are pregnant and that you think you're having a severe COVID infection so they can also know how to protect themselves and know where to get you that you're going to get the best care. If you have tested positive, one big question that I get asked is will you pass the infection on to your baby? Um, and it's possible but unlikely that this will happen. A recent review showed that about 1 in 10 babies, actually it was 12.1%, so just a little bit higher than that, born to women who tested co- uh, positive for COVID-19 also tested positive for the virus. Um, but amongst even these, illness in newborns has been rare. So what about COVID-19 infection and breastfeeding? Being exposed to the virus or getting diagnosed with COVID-19 infection while you're pregnant can be a really scary experience. Same with breastfeeding. So let's get to the bottom line with breastfeeding. With rare exception of severe infection in mom, where you would have to be separated from baby for reasons of medical support, breastfeeding is recommended even if you are positive and symptomatic. Currently, the primary concern isn't so much whether the virus can be transmitted through breast milk, but rather whether an infected mom can transmit the virus through respiratory droplets during the breastfeeding period. If you have confirmed COVID-19 or you're symptomatic, the most important thing you can do is take all possible precautions to avoid spreading the virus to baby. This can be done by washing your hands before touching your baby and wearing a mask, if possible, while you're feeding baby. If you express your milk manually or with a breast pump, you should wash your hands before touching any pump or bottle parts. Follow recommendations for proper pump cleaning after each use. And if you have COVID-19, consider someone who's uninfected, feed the baby, expressed milk with a bottle. Um, That's not considered a strict recommendation though, so it's really just personal preference. And also it might be that you're exhausted and not feeling well and need a break. All the old concerns about nipple confusion from bottle to breast to bottle to breast have been debunked. Your baby will still remember how to suckle at your breast if the baby has gotten a bottle. If you're well now and you're concerned, you can pump. I have been recommending stockpiling some breast milk in the freezer so that if you should get COVID-19 while breastfeeding and you feel exhausted or do feel like you need to distance yourself physically from the baby for your own peace of mind, then you have milk on hand to feed your baby from a bottle or for someone else I should say to feed your baby from a bottle rest assured you get, again those age old concerns are just not something to worry about and you're not being a bad mom if you give your if you're a breastfeeding mom and give your baby a bottle it's okay do what you need to do to take care of yourself and your baby breastfeeding itself is not dangerous for you if you're sick but you just want to be making you know make sure that you're willing to ask for help and rest as much as possible because that's going to help with your healing and recovery there is one benefit for breastfeeding with COVID nineteen. You may be able to transfer your. Well, there's lots of benefits to breastfeeding with COVID. I, I'm I'm saying in addition to all the benefits of breastfeeding, there is some. Likelihood that you are able to transfer antibodies to your baby. For example, one study found immunoglobulin A immune response against the COVID-19 virus in 12 of 15 breast milk samples from mothers with COVID-19. And while we don't know how complete the protection is by any means, especially against new variants or how long it lasts, it may still offer some amount of protection. All right, so just to sum up, there are some risks. There are some risks you need to know about. It's also really important to remember that if you get COVID nineteen infection and you were to have a preterm labor or a complication, I can't tell you over the years, decades now, thirty seven years of doing this work, working with um, pregnant mamas, when something happens that we would, you know, air quotes say goes wrong, what is the first thing a pregnant woman do- does? Blames herself. I coulda, shoulda, woulda. There. We have to, first of all, take that out of our vocabulary and questioning anyway, but there, this is out of your hands. The, we're going to talk about what you can do in terms of protecting yourself, just like we have all been doing for the past year and change. Um, and we're going to talk about in just one minute, the vaccine. And, um, but I just really want to remind you, hopefully none of those things will happen to you, but if they do there is nothing you did wrong. If you were to have a preterm labor, do not beat yourself up if you chose not to have the vaccination. That was a reasonable choice to make. There's so much unknown, which we're going to talk about. If something goes wrong, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. It is not your fault. It never was before COVID-19, and it's certainly not now. And it's so important to really take that in because it's already a challenging time. As pregnant people, we already put all the pressure on ourselves to form this perfect little human being. And when things don't go according to what we imagine to be nature's best plan, um, it's really tough. It's tough emotionally. It's tough physically. It's tough financially. There's so many aspects of when pregnancy complications happen, longer hospitalizations, et cetera, losses. They're so painful. Don't add blaming yourself to the mix and know that these things are are happening. You're going to hear about them in the news. They are very scary, but they are very, very, very rare. So it's overall still reassuring, but it's just important that you be aware, self-aware, and advocate for yourself. I have so many women asking me, should I get the vaccine? That I wish I could give you an easy answer. But the reality is that even though it's now being given more liberally to pregnant women without years of clinical data to rely on, we just don't know for sure how safe it is for pregnant women or if there are any drawbacks to consider that haven't been put on the table yet. I did an entire Instagram live on the vaccination in general. And I do talk about COVID vaccine in that, uh, in terms of trying to conceive in terms of um, breastfeeding and pregnancy, as well as outside of it. So if you want to watch me give an animated discussion, um, I do uh, that over there, and I also take questions and answers. Uh, In this, I'm going to more share with you the collected data um, and help you to move in a direction that gives you the confidence to make a decision for yourself on what you want to do in terms of, um, you know, how you're living your life in terms of precautions with COVID and also around the vaccination. So whether to receive the COVID vaccines and what I'm talking about right now are the Moderna and the Pfizer 2 series vaccines and I'll get a little more specific as we as we chat. But whether to receive this, these vaccines is a matter for really deep personal consideration and decision-making, weighing personal concern and lifestyle risks and a very real and very serious risk of global pandemic that we're facing and risk of exposure. Therefore, I I just cannot say what I think you should do. What I will do is review the information that we have so that you can make the most informed decision possible for both you and your baby. And I will very personally, transparently tell you that I have received two doses of the Pfizer vaccine. And I think it's important for you to hear me honestly say that so that you're not wondering, Um, I am very much honoring people's individual decisions, even in my own family. I have some family members choosing to get it, some family members on the fence. It's a very complicated decision based on where you are in your life, um, what risk factors you face from uh, not getting the vaccine, what risk factors you are willing to tolerate um, in getting the vaccine and the unknown of it. And I'll talk more about that in just a little bit but I want us to just be transparent with you. Those of you who know my work, including my book, Vaccinations, A Thoughtful Parent's Guide, which was a very pioneering book that came out in 2020. I'm sorry, in 2000, 2021 years ago, um, before it was cool to talk about vaccinations because so many of my home birth parents were asking me over and over and over and over and over what I thought I wrote a book. And it's a very um, open-minded book on the history of modern history of vaccinations. And point being, I wrote that book and went to medical school and I was very transparent as a physician as a person applying to medical school that I had written this book against the advice of many of my friends and colleagues who are physicians who said don't admit that you wrote that I'm not your typical doctor spouting the party line about vaccinations or any other pharmaceuticals or surgical interventions or medicine itself I'm a deep critic and questioner of medical practices and I do not exclude families who choose not to vaccinate from my medical practice I can also tell you that I'm excited now to know that I can safely hug my family members without fear, at least for now while I have this protection and we'll see how long that lasts. And of course, it's important for me to say I'm also not pregnant. So the decision making is is different. But I will tell you, I do have three daughters in their childbearing years. I have a daughter-in-law in her childbearing years. And I talk about the more personal nuanced aspects of that over in the Instagram Live if you want to watch or listen to that. With a vaccine coming to market so quickly, lack of FDA approval at the time of its release for use, it's still not FDA approved, it's just approved for what's called emergency use authorization, there is inevitable uncertainty, especially since pregnant people were excluded from the clinical trials, as is usually the case for safety reasons of pregnant women, and only limited human data on safety during pregnancy were available at the time of emergency use use authorization. We still have relatively limited data. The information collected on pregnant women who have received the vaccine is still limited and hasn't been fully amalgamated and analyzed yet. Two COVID-19 mRNA vaccines have emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration, and have been used on pregnant women. When I initially reported about the COVID-19 vaccine, the day the first vaccine was administered in the United States, the FDA had cautioned against pregnant and breastfeeding women receiving the vaccine due to lack of data unless it was absolutely necessary, and the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists concurred. As a result, being pregnant disqualified you from receiving the vaccine in many places. Soon after the vaccines became available, some pregnant women, especially healthcare workers who were at high risk of being exposed to the virus at work, began personally lobbying for the right to get the vaccine. Organizations such as the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology released statements saying that the vaccine should not be withheld, and that is the specific language, should not be withheld from pregnant women who want to get it, or who are in categories that make them at higher risk. Now, months later, the data ha- that has been collected on pregnant women who have received the vaccine is largely drawn from healthcare workers. Approximately 90% of the over 4,000 women in the VSafe, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, population of the recent study in the New England Journal of Medicine were actually healthcare workers. A very recent and important study published on April 21st, 2021 in the New England Journal of Medicine analyzed data from a total of 35,691 participants, 16 to 54 years of age identified as pregnant. Short-term reactions to the vaccine included injection site pain, nausea, and vomiting after the second shot and these were reported more frequently among pregnant than non-pregnant persons. However, headache, body aches, chills, and fever were reported less frequently after the vaccine in pregnant versus non-pregnant people. Among a subset of 3,958 women in this study who were enrolled in something called the V-safe pregnancy registry, I'll tell you more about it, 86.1% of those women had a, Healthy live birth. The most common reason for pregnancy loss, accounting for that other percentage, was miscarriage. Adverse outcomes included preterm birth in 9.4% and small for gestational age in 3.2%. No neonatal deaths were reported. Now, 24% of um, births ending in a miscarriage may sound like an exorbitant number or in some form of pregnancy loss however according to this research these incidences are similar to those pregnant women might experience pre pandemic so the data so far hasn't shown that women who have gotten the vaccine had higher rates of adverse outcomes than non-pregnant women than pregnant women pre pandemic The bottom line, though, is that we still don't have enough data in pregnancy, and we have no long-term data at all to say that the COVID-19 vaccines are definitively safe in pregnancy. Overall, the number of pregnant women who will get very sick with COVID-19 or die as a result is extremely small, but it's not zero, and it can impact pregnancy outcomes. So what we can say right now, and I'll just directly share the CDC's latest statement, is that people who are pregnant and are part of a group recommended to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. So in other words, people who are high risk or high risk of exposure or high risk of getting very sick may choose to be vaccinated. They go on to say this group recommended to receive the vaccine includes those at high risk of contracting the infection, though keep in mind community spread means you can be exposed anywhere and anywhere without knowing it such as healthcare workers or other frontline service industry workers with a high volume of human contact, and those in high-risk pregnancy populations in whom severe disease is more likely due to comorbidities. The CDC also states that based on how mRNA vaccines work, experts believe they are unlikely to pose a specific risk for people who are pregnant. However, the actual risks of mRNA vaccines to the pregnant person and her fetus are unknown because these vaccines have not been studied in pregnant women. Again, that's the CDC saying that. The World Health Organization similarly states, we don't have any specific reason to believe that there will be specific risks that would outweigh the benefit of vaccination for pregnant women. And the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists states that COVID-19 vaccines, again, should not be withheld from pregnant individuals who meet criteria for vaccination based on ACIP recommended priority groups. It's also not considered necessary to get pregnancy tested before you get the vaccination, nor wait to try to conceive after you've received it. That said, I have received a number of anecdotal reports from women who have miscarried within a few weeks of receiving the vaccine, especially the second dose. I don't know which, I've never asked them when I get these um, reports and reach outs, I haven't asked which vaccine they got. Miscarriage is incredibly common, occurring at least in one in 10 known pregnancies, had far more in other pregnancies where women um, menstruate before they realized they were pregnant. Miscarriage is so common and often not discussed. So these isolated reports of miscarriage that I'm hearing could just be coincidences or it could be that more women are speaking up about it because they're hearing other women talk about or reading on the internet about the question of association with miscarriage. So more people are talking about it. However... At least a few have occurred in women who have had full-term pregnancies with no prior history of miscarriage. That can still be coincidence, but I very much think it's important to listen to these anecdotal reports because often, historically, they have been ignored or dismissed only later to find out, oops, those really were adverse events. And so if you are pregnant, I'm going to talk more about that v-safe reporting system Uh, that I do think is really um, valuable to participate in. In my practice, I am recommending, if at all possible, to wait until after your first trimester to receive the vaccines if you plan to during pregnancy and if you're not otherwise at high risk for getting sick or getting very sick. Much of the data on pregnancy loss from the now much-cited New England Journal of Medicine article does focus on those women who received the vaccination in the third trimester. I'm also suggesting that if you can wait 6 to 12 weeks post-vaccine to start trying to conceive or doing fertility treatments, why not wait a little longer in the face of the unknown? That's not a medical recommendation, it's just my own practical common sense, and you don't have to worry about it. I will say just one brief word about the Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine. It was stopped because it increased women's risk of developing blood clots. Blood clot risk is already heightened due to normal physiologic changes of pregnancy. I was recommending pregnant women not get this vaccine prior to its use being halted as I already felt there wasn't enough safety data yet. I recommend that even if it does go back into use, it should not be used by pregnant or postpartum women. That's just my two cents specifically about the J and J. Along those lines, if you're in other countries than the U.S., I cannot speak to those other vaccines. I'm speaking today about the Moderna and Pfizer two-dose mRNA vaccines. So what about COVID-19 vaccination in pregnancy in breastfeeding? Here's the thing. There's absolutely no data yet on the safety of COVID-19 vaccines in breastfeeding women or the effects of the mRNA vaccines on the breastfed infant or on milk production or excretion. However... According to the CDC, quote, mRNA vaccines are not thought to be a risk to the breastfeeding infant. Similar to their stance on vaccines in pregnancy, the CDC states that people who are breastfeeding and are part of a group recommended to receive a COVID-19 vaccine, such as a healthcare personnel, may choose to be vaccinated. So again, across the board, there is no recommendation that pregnant women get vaccinated, the recommendation is you may choose to be vaccinated and should not be excluded from being vaccinated, or the vaccine should not be withheld. One additional factor to consider when making your decision about the vaccine is that we've recently learned that getting vaccinated while pregnant or breastfeeding may allow you to pass on COVID-19 antibodies to your baby. New Israeli research found that COVID-19 antibodies pass robustly from mother to their infants in breast milk for six weeks after vaccination. In one study published in JAMA, all participants received two doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech coronavirus vaccine while breastfeeding, and no mother or baby had serious adverse effects events over the study period. There have also been reports that getting the vaccine while pregnant can pass antibodies to your baby. The CDC states on this matter that vaccination might pass antibodies to the fetus. Reports indicate that, I'm sorry, reports, recent reports have shown that people who have received COVID-19 mRNA vaccines during pregnancy, mostly during their third trimester, have passed antibodies to their fetuses, which could help them protect, which could help protect them after birth. I'm reading the CDC statement to you. So it is possible that your baby could be protected from the virus for the first several months of their lives. We've seen this with other vaccines, and it's something to think about, especially since infants may be more vulnerable to infection than children of other ages. For some, the known benefits of the vaccine will outweigh the potential risks. For others, enhanced vigilance to hand hygiene, mask wearing, social distancing, and avoiding crowds may be the choice that suits you best. These practices should also still be observed by pregnant women in high-exposure settings, even if you're vaccinated. We don't know how long immunity, even with vaccinations, lasts at this point. And while serious illness and death risk is reduced by about 90 and 100% respectively if you've been vaccinated, we still don't know the risks of being infected and asymptomatic, and no vaccine provides 100% protection against becoming infected. It's It's protection against actually getting sick. If you do decide to get the vaccine before, during, or after pregnancy, I encourage you to enroll in the V-safe program. This is a CDC smartphone-based program that tracks symptoms and outcomes after the vaccine for both mom and baby. It's totally voluntary, and vSAFE sends text messages to participants with web links to online surveys that assess for adverse reactions and health status of you and your baby for 12 months after the vaccine. We can thank this data collection system for the information we have so far about the vaccine and pregnancy, and it will help us to continue to learn more. Pfizer recently began a clinical trial on 4,000 pregnant women, which means that soon we'll know more about the vaccine and how it works in a larger and more divergent, diverse uh, pregnancy population. This trial will allow women 18 years of age or older who get vaccinated during weeks 24 to 34 of pregnancy. Um, and it will evaluate the safety, tolerability, and effectiveness and follow each woman for seven to 10 months. So what about fertility effects? There's a good chance you've read or heard something about the vaccine causing infertility and miscarriage. It seems to be everywhere right now, especially on social media understandably, people have a lot of questions and concerns, and there's a lot of fear, I mean, surrounding this topic. I I understand. I've done a lot of research on this, and from what I've gathered, this wave of concern comes from a theory online that because the coronavirus's spike protein and a protein found in the placenta have a similar genetic code, getting the vaccine will cause your immune system to attack the placenta, making pregnancy impossible. But here's what I've explained to many rightfully concerned women, including my daughters, who have asked me about this. And what I'll say to you, a lot of things share genetic code but that doesn't make them an exact match. In fact, on average, we share about 85% of our DNA with mice and also fruit flies, even more with fruit flies and and a certain kind of worm. Um, You can think of the similarities between these two proteins, like two people having two of the same digits on their phone number. It doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things, especially when it comes to calling the right person. So far, I haven't seen any evidence that convinces me or even concerns me that this theory has weight to it. If it did, women who have contracted the COVID-19 virus would also be experiencing these fertility problems. But we know from research from the millions of people who have been infected with the natural virus that does not seem to be causing any long-term significant challenges to fertility status at all, though many women are reporting short-term changes in their menstrual cycle, which I talk about in a separate podcast. And that is happening both during and after COVID-19 infection and the vaccine, but also in people who haven't had either. Therefore, as I told my own daughters, based on what's known now, I'm not personally worried that infertility will be a side effect of the vaccine. And if I did, I'd be shouting it from the rooftops and I'd be shouting it to my daughters because I want... Plenty of grandchildren if they want to have them, if they want to have kids. But again, we don't know exactly what the effects are on women's reproductive health. It's it's just not been studied yet. A fact that can be stated for many infections, medications, and vaccinations due to a long history of research bias in medicine, hopefully this will bring a sea change to that problem and we will start seeing a greater emphasis on research into the impact of COVID on women's overall reproductive health, not just pregnancy. We also have some data from women who have received the vaccine in the last six months to lean on. In the New England uh, Journal of Medicine study that I mentioned, the researchers narrowed in on participants that had been pregnant when they received the vaccine or became pregnant shortly after. By the end of the study period, 827 uh, women had completed their pregnancies, 86% of which resulted in live births, and 12.6% of which resulted in miscarriage. 92.3% 92.3% of which occurred uh, before 13 weeks of gestation. And there were still births in 0.1%. As the researchers explained, these numbers are the same as you would have observed in a population of women, pregnant women pre-pandemic. This study offers some comfort, but it's important to recognize that it's also limited not just in the number of women, but also in their diversity. About 94% of the study participants in the, self, in the study identified as healthcare personnel, and 79% of them were uh, self-identified as non-Hispanic white. As we know, disparities and biases in our healthcare system can affect healthcare outcomes and study outcomes. There are also rumors circulating online that if you are pregnant, you should not stand near or get near vaccinated people, but you cannot shed the virus if you get the vaccine because it's not a live virus. The Moderna and Pfizer vaccines are mRNA vaccines that do not contain the live virus that causes COVID-19 and therefore cannot give someone COVID-19. There is also no vaccine, which you stand near someone or in a room with someone that causes you to have an adverse pregnancy outcome. Additionally, mRNA vaccines do not interact with a person's DNA or cause genetic changes because the mRNA does not enter the nucleus of the cell, which is where our DNA lives. You do not need to be concerned that close contact with someone who has had the vaccine will cause you to miscarry, to get COVID-19, or cause you any medical problems. Given the science of the vaccine, it's just not possible. It's been over a year since my first patient called to tell me that she was told by her hospital that she'd have to give birth alone. Since then, I've held space for many overwhelmed mamas who are scared for their health and the health of their babies. The stress of the pandemic itself has had adverse effects on pregnant women. One paper reviewed research from over 40 studies on over 6 million pregnancies in 17 countries and found that overall, the odds of stillbirth were increased in 2020, that maternal mortality rate did increase. The results also showed that there was a six-fold increase in other problems like ectopic pregnancies, attributed actually to the fact that women waited too long to get care. The study also revealed a really important increase in postpartum depression and anxiety attributed to isolation, worry about the virus, and delaying getting care. It's been a tough year, and the decisions we have to make about COVID-19, the COVID-19 vaccine and pregnancy can feel overwhelming and really scary. Overall, though, what we've learned in the last year is still reassuring. The number of pregnant women getting sick or very sick is still very small, The number of stillbirths and miscarriages is extremely small, even though higher than the average population. My mission here is simple, to help you feel empowered and informed to make decisions about your health. As we continue to learn more about COVID-19 and the vaccinations and pregnancy, I will continue to be here to help you make sense of it all. How do you make the best decision for yourself now about the vaccination? You weigh the known risks of COVID-19 exposure, infection, and severe infection to you and your baby and the risks of the vaccine, which we know are still not fully known, and the benefits to yourself of being vaccinated. For example, less worry about getting sick, being able to engage in more activities you enjoy, being able to see family and friends, and helping having help postpartum. And then you take time to reflect on what you're most comfortable with, write it down, as a pro and cons list, sit with it for a few days, sit with it for a few weeks, and come back to it if you're just not sure. What we've learned so far about pregnancy and breastfeeding and COVID, again, is reassuring, but it should also motivate us all to be diligent about our exposure throughout pregnancy, which means taking precautionary measures like hand-washing, social distancing, and masking. In the coming months, this may get more difficult in more states as they ease restrictions and cases drop, and family and friends um, get a vaccine and return to normal life, and you feel pressured to not be as diligent, it is okay to remain as diligent. Even if the people you want to see are fully vaccinated, it doesn't mean that chance of transmission is zero. As a rule, continue to limit the number of people you're exposed to and avoid large gatherings. Continue to spend time with others outdoors as much as possible. And if around vaccinated individuals indoors, wear masks. Avoid poorly ventilated spaces. And if the people in your life are not vaccinated, I recommend following the same precautions experts have been recommending all years, all year, which means masks, social distancing, etc., to protect yourself from the virus. I could go on and on about the many challenges pregnant women and new moms have faced this year. If you're going through it, you already know. One thing I can say is this. I do have hope. Cases in the U.S. have mostly plateaued and most medical professionals have been vaccinated, which means that healthcare settings are no longer hot spots the same way they were for virus transmission. Another thing I can say with certainty is that pregnant women and women in general are fierce and powerful and the most important advocates for their own health and their own babies. You can and you will make the best decisions for yourself and you'll continue to monitor and evaluate the changing data, as will I. You have options, You can make the decision to get vaccinated. You can make the decision to wait. You can make the decision to choose not to. The choice is yours to make. There's no right or wrong answer. And the decision is your business and your business alone. This is Dr. Aviva Ram. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next week on Natural MD Radio.